0: The teacher got up to teach a lesson to his audience, but many of them were distracted by the concerns they were facing. A a businessman worried, wondering whether or not he would be able to show a profit and keep his business from going bankrupt. A teen worried about his appearance and wished he were taller. A a young woman worried about the the way her life was turning out. A homeless individual worried about what he would eat for lunch. A girl worried about having the right clothes and wondering what she would wear to the party on Friday. A middle-aged man worried about his aging father and wondered if he would be better, if he would get better or would die soon. An older widow worried about how she could go on living without her husband being alive. And as the speaker began to teach the crowd, they were jolted from their daydreams by his next statement, do not worry. And we can read the message of the master teacher as he gave the Sermon on the Mount, this outdoor teaching found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 that is a classic text Of the Bible. Let's begin reading in in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, where Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow. Or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? There are three aspects of worry for us to consider this morning. First, let's let's look in verses 25 through 27 where it speaks about the the sin of worry. Now, we tend to think of sins as being murder, adultery, lying, stealing. We don't usually consider worry to be a sin. It seems more respectable. It's a a white-collar crime permissible to certain personality types who are more nervous or high-strung. We don't classify it as a sin, but Jesus does, and he commands us not to worry. So we need to define our terms so that I'm not misunderstood this morning. It is normal to experience some anxiety in life, and certain situations naturally put us into the adrenaline-charged fight-or-flight mode. But worry goes beyond that. It's remaining in that state for an extended period of time. It is the depleting, nonproductive preoccupation with a concern that prevents us from taking the action which would improve the problem situation. Instead of putting our hands to the problem, worry finds it easier to wring our hands about the problem. Worry is harmful to us spiritually. It is disobedience. It is forbidden by Jesus. And in verse 25, there is a direct command warning do not worry. Worry is harmful to us physically. Worry and stress manifest their fruit in. Ulcers, panic attacks, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, heart attacks, chronic exhaustion. And while worry is not always the cause for those concerns, it can often contribute to those serious physiological conditions. So let me ask you a question. What's worrying you today? I'm sure each person within the sound of my voice has some unresolved concern which was carried into our service either as you entered the doors of the worship center or as you logged on online. It may be gnawing at the back of your mind even this very minute. Worry accomplishes nothing. I like the quote that says, Worry is like a rocking chair. It will give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Verse 27 says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Worry is an exercise in futility. It's a waste. And God only knows the total hours that have been exhausted, worrying about things that, never came to pass. The biggest troubles you face are those that never come. Our minds seem to gravitate naturally to envisioning the, the worst case scenario, and it just isn't healthy. I understand certain personality types are, are more prone to worry, and, and other personality types are, are less inclined to worry. When our daughter Jennifer was four years old, she and Johnny were in a a fender bender uh, on on the exit ramp of the highway. As I remember, they had gotten off the the interstate, pulled up to the stop, and then a car came up behind them going too fast and didn't get stopped. And the the female teen driver rear-ended them. She got out and approached the car and she, she asked Johnny, are you all right? And then she noticed our little four-year-old daughter in the car seat, seat, and the teen then just kind of melted. She said, oh, no, and you have a little girl in there, too. And four-year-old Jennifer looked back at the distraught driver and and said, matter-of-factly, looks like you're going to need a new car. (laughs) Now, she is going to worry less than most people. We all need to learn to to let some things just roll off. As we read on in this chapter, we, we discover the source of worry. Verses 28 through 32 says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. But when I hear this message that Jesus gave 2,000 years ago, it's really obvious to me that people haven't changed much in 2,000 years. Jesus' original listeners were worried about health, dying, jobs, food, material possessions, just as we are today he was trying to direct them to rely on God and not be so consumed with these concerns the the source of our worry can be attributed to a single cause and that's the lack of faith there's a dangerous tendency for us to trust in ourselves trust in our incomes trust in our jobs trust in our homes trust in our IRAs, trust in our 401K. and We want to move towards security, making ourselves feel that we are safe and secure. And and rather than focusing on those externals, we should be trusting in God and and relying on Him for our security. I'm not saying that we don't think about those things or plan for our future and, and take those steps, but it's not a frightened obsession. It's realizing that God will take care of us the way he takes care of the the birds of the air. There's this dangerous tendency for us to trust in ourselves, to to move towards security rather than to rely on God and trust in him for our security. There's a a verse in Proverbs chapter 3, Verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. There's this reliance on God that should be our, our response. I love the story in Matthew chapter 14, the account of the apostle Peter. And there's just a a hidden gem, a lesson about worry, tucked into this account of Peter going water skiing without any skis. Let me read this story for you. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on across to the other side. There are they're in the northern part of their country, the Sea of Galilee. He dismissed the crowd. He said, Hey, I'll meet you on the other side of the lake. You guys boat on over there. I'm going to go up in the hills for a while and, and just pray, be alone with my father. And so later that night, he was there alone. And it says that the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. It's, it's out well out on the water. And it was being buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. He had prayed up in the hills. He's going to take the shortcut and and go over and and join his his apostles. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, terrified. It's a ghost, they cried out in fear. And Jesus approached them, immediately said, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. You know, I'll recognize his voice. I'll see if it's really Jesus. It's still, it's just dawning out here. We can't see. There's this shadowy form. He appears to be walking on water. Uh, We've never seen anything like that before. Jesus said, Come. So Peter the impulsive leader of the apostles, the risk taker. He gets out of the boat and he says, well, if he can do it, so can I. And he started walking across toward Jesus. And then the next verse is the one I want to draw your attention to. It says, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith? He said, Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And just as Simon Peter, while walking on the water, began to sink when he took his eyes off of Jesus, we can expect the same results. Oh, you of little faith. I have a plaque in my office that belonged to my dad. And its message is simple, and yet it's a profound reminder for each new day. Can we pull that slide up of that plaque if, if we have that? It, it reads, an old preacher's greeting to each new day. Lord, help me to remember that nothing is going to happen to me today that you and I can't, together can't handle what a great assurance that truth provides Lord help me to remember that nothing is going to happen to me today that you and I can't, together can't handle, before you get out of bed that could be your first prayer each day said the robin to the sparrow I would really like to know why these anxious human beings rush around and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. The sin of worry, the source of worry, and then finally let's consider the solution to worry. Verses 33, verses 34. Many situations in life cause us concern, and, and rightfully so. Maybe it's a concern over a serious health problem or unemployment or financial troubles or, or job or, or school pressures, and it's natural to feel the tension from life's concerns. But, but God's Word instructs us not to dwell on those circumstances, but to turn them over to God in prayer. And seek his direction for the best solution. And that's what Jesus said here in the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Listen to the next thing Jesus said. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus said, don't borrow trouble. Don't wreck today worrying about tomorrow. Live one day at a time. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He's cautioning us to seek first God, and and these other things will fall into place. This passage is saying that non-Christians run after these temporary things in life, and and it leads to worry. But instead, you, Christ follower, should seek first the eternally important things, and all the other items will fall into place. Like the words of the serenity prayer, Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And the difference in perspective for the Christian and the non-Christian is the priority. Everybody prays. There are no atheists and foxholes or cancer wards. But for many, prayer is the last resort. The Christian relies first on God. Verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We want prayer to become our first response instead of our last resort. Years ago, our oldest, Jason, was a first grader at Christ Center School in Harrison, Ohio. And I remember going there to speak for a chapel service. And I wanted to teach on the verse 1 Peter 5, 7. It talks about casting our care, our, our anxiety on, on him because he cares for you. And so I had a little object lesson. I took in a, a bait casting fishing rod. And as a safety precaution for the students, I took the hooks off and put a rubber plug on the end. And I stood up there in front of the, the kids in the, in the gym area. And on the, they're sitting on this carpeted gym floor and, and I would, would take my fishing rod and then cast it 40, 50 feet and then reel it in. And talking about that verse, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Reel it in. And, and the, the third time... I flicked it back and and let it fly down the middle and it banked off the basketball backboard and it went through the net. It was my finest hour. (laughs) (laughs) Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That means there's no reason for you to stay up tonight worrying. You might as well give that worry to God and guess what? He's going to be staying up anyway. And let him take that on. Here's a take-home truth for you. Worry doesn't help us, but praying to God does. The Apostle Paul wrote the following words, which take on an even greater impact when we realize that he gave this advice while he was a prisoner in Rome. From his chains, from his uncertainty, from his injustice, He wrote, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, when someone who has an easy life says, hey, don't worry about it. It'll all be okay. That, that doesn't mean a lot to me. But when the Apostle Paul, who was beaten, shipwrecked, stoned, tortured, he's writing these words from prison. He's on death row, awaiting Nero, beheading him. And he's saying, hey, Don't be anxious about anything, but instead pray. That's what I'm doing. It's helping me. It'll work for you. So instead of worrying about that big problem, pray to your Father in heaven about it. Take it to Him. And you know what's happened for me, he said? The peace that passes all understanding. I I can't explain it, he said. it's, It's transcendent. It's out of this world. It'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's saying, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added as well. Put Jesus first in your life. There was a Christian church minister named James DeForest Murch. He wrote a a little-known hymn, but the lyrics are, are meaningful and powerful. He titled it, I'll Put Jesus First. He said, The world all around me has now no allure. Its pleasures bring pain. Its wisdom is vain. I seek a foundation that's steadfast and sure. I'll put Jesus first in my life. In all that I say, in all that I do, throughout the world of toil and strife, by day and by night, through trust in his might, I'll put Jesus first in my life. Second stanza, the Lord Jesus died my salvation to win, he went in my stead to Calvary and bled, redemption impels me to give up my sin, I'll put Jesus first in my life. I know there's a home for the ransomed and blessed. When death is no more, when the struggle is o'er, for those who love Jesus and give him their best, I'll put Jesus first in my life. And the final stanza, though earth's tribulation continue each day, though pleasures may call, though evil enthrall, his grace will protect me forever. And A, I'll put Jesus first in my life. In all that I say, in all that I do, throughout this world of toil and strife, by day and by night, through trust in his might, I'll put Jesus first in my life. I'll put Jesus first in my life. Are you ready to do that? to put Jesus first in your life today, to, to grow in faith, to, to lean on him first, to honor his will, to do things his way. Just stand with me? I'm going to pray for us before we sing. Dear God, there's so many things surrounding us that can draw our focus off of you and And it's easy for us to get caught up in our struggles, our our pain, our worries, the pressures of, of this life. Today, let us recalibrate our focus and put it squarely on living for your son. Putting Jesus first in our lives and trusting you to work out the difficulties. Lifting those needs before you in prayer. Because you, our Father, want to help. You want to hear. And, and Lord, I, I just pray that today that everyone here would release whatever worry they brought into this, this hour. We pray in the name of Jesus.
1: Stirs just a taste of what's to come. i